Well, beside that being a beautiful song, Hosanna in the highest, today in the Christian uh, year is Palm Sunday. Uh, Palm Sunday is the Sunday before Easter. It marks the beginning of Holy Week. It marks our connection to one another. Uh, and it marks a celebration of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. It also marks just how fickle human beings can be. Uh, today we are celebrating the arrival of Jesus in, uh, in Jerusalem, in that space, and by next week, uh, by the end of this week, we'll be celebrating, if you will, his crucifixion, his death on the cross. So uh, as we gather in this space as a way of showing our celebration wherever we are, I want to encourage each one of you to, you know, it's called Palm Sunday because they laid palm branches out on the road leading into, uh, uh, leading into the uh, city. Uh, palms were pretty prevalent and are pretty prevalent in the Holy Land. So there are lots of ways to wave in celebration. Think about the times that if you're an adult, you've been at a concert and you've held up your cell phone with a, uh, an image of a candle. Think of times that you've waved your hands at the side of a parade, waving at Santa Claus as he went by or other kinds of things. You can ad lib without a palm in your living room, dining room, kitchen, computer room, wherever you are. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna in the highest. I've got a Bible in my hand. I can wave my Bible. As heavy as it is, it's good exercise, actually, for my right arm. I'm going to have to change it over to the left. You know, Hosanna. Because that's what they cried. That's what we're told in the scripture that they cried as Jesus entered triumphantly into the city. Hosanna in the highest. Well, let's be honest with each other for a moment. Hosanna in the highest may seem far from our hearts. Uh, we live in an interesting time. We live in a time where a global pandemic has made us feel our humanity and our mortality even more than Ash Wednesday could have. It has reminded us of the fragility of human life. More than a thousand people died overnight the death toll has gone up for this in the United States, in the United States. That, uh, that is staggering and significant. As I was at home on Friday, I'll tell you a story about my own fear because I get it too. I, I'd like to tell you that when the bishop laid hands on my head and told me to take, me, you know, take authority to preach the word and to administer the sacraments and maintain order, that also a superpower like no fear came on me. That is not what happened. <laughs> that is not what happened at all. I'm just as human as any other living human being I know, and some that I don't. So on Friday morning, I had my normal sit. My day, Friday is my day off, and I was sitting at home quietly um, uh, enjoying or appreciating the uh, silence of my house, and as I was, uh, relative silence, Linda and Joshua were working from home, so 
Uh, there were noises in the house. Linda was on a call. We could hear things, those kinds of things. But um, without realizing it, after my sit and after my prayer and after my reading, I began to feel antsy, agitated in a way I don't normally feel. So I uh, normally would not do this, but I made myself an early lunch. Uh, they were on their own for their lunch. Uh, I made myself an early lunch, and I went and I did that thing which we often do to escape from whatever's bothering us. I turned on the television set. It was my day off. I watched two and a half episodes of Navy SEAL. Two and a half episodes, I was catching up. You know, it's been recording on my DVR for months, and I haven't watched it in a while. I haven't. I've been doing other things. So I avoided the fear. I ran away from the fear. And then I found myself completely agitated that afternoon, so agitated that I, I don't get the hungries. I ate some stuff. I went in the kitchen, got stuff to eat. You know, I went, uh, and I couldn't figure out all day long what was going on. And it was the anxiety and fear rising up inside of me. It took until here. I'm supposed to be aware and awake in my life. I'm doing my best. It took until Saturday morning when I sat in prayer, when I sat with my journal and I wrote two pages about my own struggle with fear, my own, that I realized that's exactly what it was. That's what the agitation was. That was the nervous eating. That was the turning on the television set in the middle of the day and watching shows that only agitated me more. You know, uh, the truth is, fear is a real response to a threat that we feel. It's a bodily response. It's built into us. It's the way God wired us to be. And what it does, what fear does, is it shuts down a piece of our brain called the amygdala. It overrides that. And we go into a mode where we either want to fight, run away, or freeze. And if you've found yourself more agitated and in fights now that you're locked in at home, or if you've found yourself running away into the bathroom for hours at a time, closing the door, uh, just so you could be by yourself, or if you felt frozen, like you couldn't do anything, that's manifestation of fear. That's how the fear is showing itself inside of you. So the question is, what do we, as followers of Jesus, do with the fear that rises up inside of us? Because let me just tell you something. Being fearful is not sinful. It's not, it's not like it's a sin. It doesn't alienate you from God. But what it does is it actually takes you out of yourself because you can't get to the deeper places within you. You can't get to your heart place. You can't get to your head place because the gateway is closed and your part of your brain is telling you to run away or fight or freeze. So what I'd like to talk to you about this morning is, is the last in our series on 1 John. And I want to tell you, if you have not spent the time these last five weeks in 1 John, you've really missed out. And I'm really sorry, but it's not too late. You can still spend some time with 1 John. In fact, that's going to be one of our challenges, but that's later on. I'm going to read to you from uh, chapter 4, and I'm beginning with verse 16. 
And I'd like you to listen closely to this, the word that the elder writes to a people who are experiencing division in the church. Some have left the community altogether and are stirring up dissension back within the community. It's a mess. There's uncertainty about a lot of things. There's fear even. And so this is what, um, this is a piece of what our friend, the elder, writes to his people. God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness or confidence on the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. Those who say, I love God and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from him is clear, and it's this. Those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. It's a beautiful piece of reassurance for a community that's struggling. God is love, and those who abide in God abide in love, and God abides in them. Remain, dwell. The foundation piece of this story is love itself. Now, I've said to the congregation before, and I have to tell you, it's, it's a truth I absolutely believe that was taught me by one of my favorite teachers, Jim Finley, and that if you are hearing my voice and you are sitting on your couch, what is, or in your chair, or standing in line waiting, you know, six feet from your neighbor to get your cup of coffee wherever you're picking it up this morning to go, um, wherever you are, you are being loved into that place by God. You exist in this moment because God is loving you into this moment as love itself. You are already bearing witness to love by the fact that you are here. If God stopped loving you, there wouldn't be a you. So the fact that you're here is proof that you're loved. You are love. You already, if I believe Paul's uh, preaching in Acts, in God we live and move and have our being, and God is love, even Paul says that, God is love, and we are living and moving and having our being. Our very swimming in this moment is in a deep sea of love. Now, you just may not feel it. You may not feel it. One of the things that fear and anxiety does is it shuts down your ability to feel the love. It shuts, all it tells you to do is take care of yourself, run away, run away, run away, fight, 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 freeze. Maybe they won't see you. Maybe they won't notice you. So what we're going to practice, what we need to, what we're looking at, 
Yeah, that's a nice passage, James. Really nice to know. Perfect love's going to cast out my fear. I don't want to give you some kind of light, pie in the sky, by and by kind of thing. Just toughen up and live with what you got going on right now. Put the fear away like it doesn't exist, because it does. And there's plenty of reason to be afraid. But there's also even more reason to know you are loved. You have to get past the fear, though. You have to get past the gatekeeper that is fear to get to that place where love lives inside of you. It's a grounding of your heart. It's the very thing that makes you, you. Is God's outpouring of love in this very nanosecond and this one and this one and this one. God loves you and you're being loved right now. Now, if you can slow down just for a moment, and you have probably slowed down if you're going to sit down and watch uh, worship with us, you know, and participate as you will at home. You've slowed down for just a moment, but slow down just for a moment more. Be in this moment. Don't run away from your fear because that's the other thing you do. You think, I can avoid the fear. You know, addicts discover this all the time. They can avoid now by doing whatever their drug of choice is. And if we're really honest, the television can be a drug of choice. You know, uh, the anything you do to get away from now can be your drug of choice to avoid the fear. But guess what? The fear is still there. So what would happen if you actually sat with the fear, figure out where it's coming from, and slowly... Let the love overwhelm the fear. Because if indeed we believe this stuff that is in this book, if we indeed, and it's not just believe it with our mind, but live it with who we are, we come to know that we are really loved. Now, is love stronger than fear? Can love cast out fear? Do you believe it so? And if you don't believe it so, that's an okay place to be. It's a tough place to be because then I'm not sure exactly what you can do with the fear except figure out where it is inside of you. But maybe you need to start there. Start there. So if you're feeling anxiety or fear right now, maybe because you're not sure if you've been exposed or maybe because you have been exposed and you know you've been exposed or maybe even you've tested positive. And you're struggling to figure out what does this mean about recovery, about the future, about sit with me now. Sit where you are. I can't sit down because I'm standing here to talk to you. Sit where you are. Close your eyes. And try to feel in your body where that fear is coming from. Where is it? Is it in your gut? Is that tight? Are you feeling tightness in your shoulders? Are you feeling the muscles tighten up? Are you feeling a tightness, a constriction in your chest? Is your whole body tight? Do you have a headache because of all of the stress in your head? The stress and the anxiety, where is it? Now sit with it for just a moment. 
sit with wherever it is. And as you sit with wherever it is, I want you to try to love that part of you. Your gut. Your chest. Your throbbing head. Your tight shoulders. Try dropping just a little bit of warmth of love into it. If it helps you to have some kind of physical way of doing that, imagine that as you're breathing in, you're breathing love into that spot, that one spot. Yes, we physically know it's going into your lungs. But imagine you're breathing love into that spot. Can you begin to come back to a moment that's not predominated and controlled by fear? And can you begin to believe that the fact that you're alive is love loving you into the space you're already in? God is loving you into the space you are. And regardless of whether you are fearful, anxious, or just you still are back in the Hosanna moment where you're waving your book and your thing. Maybe that's who you, maybe the only way you can get over this moment is to wave that uh, item around. Wherever you find yourself in this moment, God loves you. Anyway, afraid, God loves you. Anxious, God loves you. Angry, God loves you. In denial, heck, there's plenty of those, uh, folks. God loves you. God loves you. That's it. End of story. Now, the challenge for us as people of faith is to learn to abide in that love, to abide in it. When the fear rises up, not to ignore it or pretend like it doesn't exist or distract ourselves with something else, whatever the something else is, it's to recognize it for what it is. Not push it back down, but in this moment learn to let it go in favor of love. Because in this moment you're loved. And in this moment you're loved. I so want to offer those words of reassurance to you but if you're still feeling overwhelmed by fear and anxiety, if you're still feeling it, here it says, perfect love cast out fear. Well, clearly I don't have perfect love, James. I haven't gotten there. <laughs> I just haven't gotten there. I haven't got perfect love. But you know who does? God. God loves you. And in this space right here, in this moment of time, in this container that is you. Love is waiting to well up. God is waiting to meet you in this moment. God wants to meet you now. And just hear, I want you to hear these words in your ear. I love you. I love you for who you are for who I made you to be. I love you fear and all. I love you struggle and all. I love you 
desire to run away, and all, I love you. That's it. I love you. And if you can begin to hear that from deep inside, it might take you a whole day. Look at me. I try to practice this every day. And it was 24 hours later that I realized all the running away I was doing the day before. Because, hey, haven't I overcome all of that? Haven't I reached a place where I don't run away anymore? Where I don't freeze? Nope, I sure haven't. <laughs> as much as I want to say, oh yes, your pastor has. No, your pastor hasn't. But I'm not giving up. And I'm not giving up because I know that God has never given up on me. And God is a God of grace and of mercy and of love. And God's going to say, James, you tripped. Everybody misses the mark. Everybody misses the mark. I love you. One hand up. Do you know I love you? So, some practices for this week, some ways. First of all, I encourage you to do that. Pay attention when you start to feel anxious. Sometimes you can take a walk and let the anxiety rise up in you and exercise it as you walk. Think about something loving, but also don't run away from the pain and the fear and the anxiety. Another practice this week, you have five days. Five days between now and Good Friday. Yeah, we have a Good Friday service. Yes, it's only online. Yes, it's at 7 p.m. on Friday. You have five days. There are five chapters in 1 John. You can read. Heck, if you count today, you got this afternoon. You could read part of 1 John today, part of 1 John Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. That would be five chapters even before Good Friday happens. But you've got today and five more days before Good Friday to read 1 John and let it sink in. God is love. God loves you. If you abide in love and love abides in you, then that's enough. That's, that's enough. Love God and love your neighbor. So read this. Also be sitting with your fear. And the last one that I'd like to encourage you to do. I'd like you to catch yourself when you're blaming others for what you've got or yourself. I want you to stop blaming. This is the coronavirus. It's not the China virus. Do you know that violence against people of Asian descent in our country have, has risen because of our talking about it that way? coronavirus, which leads to COVID-19. It's called the coronavirus because it has kind of a halo around it, a corona. That's why it's called the coronavirus. Use the right terms and don't blame somebody else. We don't need to blame how it was handled. We have to deal with it now. There's nothing we can do to fix what we did or didn't do two months ago, three months ago, five months ago. We can only be now. 
So stop blaming. That's another way of escaping this moment. It's your fault. It's his fault. It's the respirator maker's fault. It's the hospital's fault. It's this fault. Right now, stop the blaming because the blaming's not getting you anywhere. And it also makes it difficult to feel the love because all you feel is the anger towards whoever you want to blame. And maybe they are to blame, but maybe they're not. So let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Okay, I'm going to give you one more assignment. Take a moment this week to dream of a world where love was the overarching principle. There are going to be a lot of countries that need our help, a lot of other people in the world that are needing our help. Once we get it under control here, when we get it under control here, let's imagine a world that's made up only of people beyond borders, beyond nationalities, beyond skin colors, just people, one race. What would it look like if we learned to love and the world was united by that love? It might look a little bit more like the kingdom. Practice. Practice. It's not to make you perfect, it's to make you practice.